0: Good morning, and welcome to our new series called The Upside-Down Kingdom. There's a lot of mystery shrouded around this topic of the kingdom of God, but it is direly important because Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, more than anything else, around 125 times in the gospels. And Jesus gave an open invitation to all humanity to become members of this kingdom that's not of this world. And whether or not this kingdom that Jesus has brought has taken root in you and me, will show itself in very distinctive ways. Now, that's what we'll be talking about in the weeks to come. But before we talk about the kingdom Jesus brought, we have to first establish whether or not Jesus was a king. Because to say that you have a kingdom is to suggest that you are indeed a king. Now, every Christmas we celebrate the arrival of Jesus, the birth of our Redeemer. But we should also celebrate the arrival of our ruler because Christ came as a king. And scripture makes this very clear. Listen to what we read in Luke 1 when a young virgin named Mary was visited by an angel. Here's what the angel said. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. He came as a king. And shortly after his birth, some wise men, or what we would call the Magi, showed up in Jerusalem and they had one question. It wasn't, where is the baby? The question they had was very specific in Matthew 2.2. 2. Where is he who was born king of the Jews? This is why King Herod felt threatened and why he slaughtered all the baby boys two and under in Bethlehem. Not because he hated baby boys, but because he wanted to get rid of another king who he believed was a threat to his own throne. Now, what is interesting is that our world will say all sorts of things about Jesus. You've heard him, I've heard him. They'll say everything except that he is king. They will say that he was a great moralist, he was a wonderful humanitarian, a fascinating teacher, but the Gospels portrayed Jesus first and foremost as a king whose dominion has no ends. Think about the dominion that Jesus had over creation. He could just think a thought and hundreds of fish would immediately swim into a net. He could speak to the wind and the waves and they would die down. Why? Because nature recognized its king. He could say to people who had demons in them, come out. And the demons never talked back. They never said, you can't make me. No, they always obeyed because the demons recognized their master. Even death obeyed. We have several stories in the Gospels about a young man, a little girl, a very close friend of Jesus. And Jesus could look death in the eye and say, give them back. And death obeyed because death knew who was king. So the gospels keep pointing to the one true king named Jesus so that people will stop giving their lives to all these illegitimate imposters and kingdoms out there that are claiming an authority that isn't legitimate. It's like the story of this drug enforcement officer who showed up unannounced on this ranch in Texas And he told the old rancher that he was there to inspect his ranch just to see if he was growing any illegal drugs. And the old rancher said, well, look around all you want. Just don't go over that fence into that pasture over there. At which point the DEA officer kind of bowed up, reached into his back pocket, pulled out a badge and said, do you see this badge? This badge represents the authority of the federal government. It says I can go wherever I want, whenever I want. No questions asked, no answers given. Do you understand that? The old rancher said, fine, and just turned around and went back to his chores. However, a few moments later, he heard some screaming from the other side of that fence. And there was that DEA officer being chased by a huge 2,000-pound bull. And the old rancher ran up to the fence and shouted, Show them your badge. Show them your badge. Now, my point is that we spend a lot of our life surrendered to and living for an illegitimate authority and kingdom. And I'll share with you later the most illegitimate authority we live for the most. But getting back to Jesus, we have to see that every king has a kingdom. And Jesus brought a kingdom with him. He didn't start it. It's always existed. But Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven to be within reach for the kingdom of men. In Matthew 4.23, here's what we read. And he, meaning Jesus, went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So he tells people about the kingdom he's bringing and then establishes his authority as king by healing the sick and afflicted bodies. Then in Luke 4, Jesus has been healing the sick and demon-possessed, proving once again his power and authority as king. And he says in Luke 4, 43, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And just before he ascended to heaven, Jesus told his disciples to go preach the good news of the kingdom. And they did. We read in Acts 8.12, But now the people believed Philip's message of the good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. You see, when the good news of the kingdom of God is preached, that's the result. People get baptized. They get immersed into a new kingdom and pledge allegiance to a new king. This is why here at Bachelor Creek, we try to make it very clear that when someone is baptized, they understand that they aren't just getting a savior, but they're also getting a sovereign, a king. They aren't just getting saved from something, they are getting saved into something. Because the gospel is more than just the forgiveness of sins, rather it is freedom to transfer your allegiance to a better king and a better kingdom. So God, through Jesus, is establishing his dominion on the earth, and we are being invited into it when we accept that invitation. And Christ has dominion now over us. Now, I told you earlier that I was going to expose the kingdom we are tempted to put first, and it shouldn't be a shocker when I say it's the kingdom of me. Think about it, over 90% of our relational problems are simply evidence of how hard it is to die to self. The reason it is hard for me to submit to the kingdom of Jesus is because the kingdom of Jesus and the kingdom of Solomon are often at odds. Because I've bought into the lie that my sovereignty is legitimate and deserves my allegiance. And my gut tells me that's your problem too. It's like the couple who had an argument, and they decided to give each other the silent treatment for the whole weekend. Been there, done that. Each of them was just too proud to give in to the other. So it's Sunday night, and the next morning the husband has to catch a flight, and he knows he's going to need his wife to help him get up. But he doesn't want to have to say this to his wife. So he leaves a note on his wife's side of the bed, and the note simply says, Wake me up at 5 a.m. He wakes up the next morning and it's 9 a.m. He's furious, he's missed his flight, and he's thinking of all the ways he's going to chew out his wife until he sees a note on his side of the bed that says, it's 5 a.m., wake up. Why does the world have so much relational misery? Because there are seven billion kingdoms at war. Everyone wanting to be recognized as king. Now let me tell you why there's so much joy and bliss in heaven. Because everyone there recognizes only one king. And everybody is in alignment with his will. So allow me to let you in on a very important secret. Now lean in close here because I don't want you to miss this. Here's the secret. You ain't got a kingdom. Only Jesus does. That's reality. Paul says in Colossians 1 16, All things have been created through him and for him. It's not about you. Never has been, never will be. It's about Jesus. And it's only the acceptance of that reality that will make us serious followers of Jesus. Do you know why most people just play church? Because while they wouldn't say it, Inwardly, they think that Jesus is crazy. Because Jesus keeps saying stuff that offers no help in promoting the kingdom of me. Think of some of the things Jesus said. He said, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Store up treasures in heaven. Well, that's crazy in the kingdom of me. Jesus says if someone takes something that belongs to you, let them have it. Don't even ask for it back. That's crazy in the kingdom of me. Jesus said, if somebody curses you, you see how quick you can just bless them back. That's crazy. He said, if you want to be great, then you be the least. And you see how you can be the servant of everybody. That's crazy. Unless there really is a kingdom of God. And Scripture attests over and over that your highest joy will be found when you live for thy kingdom come instead of my kingdom come. And Jesus would say, it's simple, but it's not easy. As we're going to see over the next several weeks. So let's be clear. Christ did not come to be your trusty assistant to help build your little earthly empire. He came to be master over every part of your life, your job, your finances, your sexuality, your language. There isn't one square inch of your life where Jesus doesn't show up and say, I am king. And God's kingdom is present whenever we find ourselves doing what God wants instead of us doing in our flesh what we want. And that's why we see when Jesus preaches about the kingdom, he will attach a word to the very front of it where he says, repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, when you and I hear that word repent, we immediately start thinking, stop doing bad stuff. Don't look at porn, don't get drunk, clean up your language, and don't lose your temper all the time. And yeah, you should stop that stuff. But when Jesus said, repent, the kingdom is here, he was talking about so much more. He was talking about all those places you have where you call the shots and your will comes first. In other words, repent for making life all about you. This shouldn't surprise us. From the beginning of creation, the spiritual forces of evil have been at work on humans, trying to convince you and me that life should revolve around ourselves. It goes all the way back to the garden when Satan planted the seed in Adam and Eve's mind that they could establish their own kingdom and live independent of God. That they could manage just fine being at the center of their own universe. And they acted upon that seed of deception. And that lie has been genetically passed down to all their offspring, you and me. Even when Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness, do you remember his last temptation? Matthew 4.8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the what? Kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus wouldn't be duped. He knew there was only one kingdom that lasted forever. And in that kingdom, it's not about me. It's all about God. And this is why it's hard for us. It's hard for us to enter the kingdom of God because it would mean giving up our own kingdom. It's no different than King Herod, who wanted Jesus eradicated because he threatened his throne. In the same way, many of us are tempted to give Jesus just lip service on Sunday. But Monday through Saturday, we keep Jesus at arm's length because Jesus threatens my self-sovereignty. Now hear me out. Every dollar, every ounce of sweat and worry and time I give to my kingdom is lost forever. But every dollar, every ounce of sweat and every minute that I give to the kingdom of Jesus is going to last as long as he's on the throne. And how long is that? Forever. Even something as minuscule as giving a cup of cold water to someone in Jesus' name, Jesus promised that will last forever. It's not that complicated, folks. If a guy can predict his own death and resurrection and then pull it off, then he's king, and I'm not. And I'm crazy to spend the rest of my life using my time, my money, and energy and skill and strength on building a kingdom that is only going to burn. So let me ask you, friend. Do you believe so much in the reality and destiny of the kingdom of God that you are going to tie everything you have and everything that you are to it? John Calvin said it is the task of the church to make the invisible kingdom visible. And we do that by living in such a way that we bear witness to the reality of the kingship of Christ in our jobs, our families, our schools, and our checkbooks. Because Christ is king over every one of these spheres of life. The only way the kingdom of God is going to be manifest in this world before Christ comes is if you and I manifest it by the way we live as citizens of heaven and subjects of the King. Now, this last week, we just celebrated Easter Sunday. And when Jesus came out of that tomb, it signified the illegitimate reign of the evil one was doomed forever. And his dominion will be ended forever. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to the one who has engraved on his thigh the word King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That yes, Jesus Christ is Lord. And if you believe Jesus was who he said he was, the king of a kingdom, that all power and authority have been given to him, and if you believe he is returning to establish that kingdom forever, it will affect every choice you make in this life. I end with this. Here's a picture of a guy named Alex Honnold. That rock he is climbing is called El Capitan. It is a 3,000-foot sheer cliff of rock in Yosemite National Park. Alex became the first and only one to climb it free solo, meaning no ropes, no winches, no equipment, just his hands and feet. At one point, he hung 1,000 feet in the air by just his thumbs. He's crazy, but he knows what his life is about. He actually lives most of the year out of a van, a lifestyle known as dirt bagging. He was quoted as saying, I want to climb in the best places in the world, and that's my focus. So I'm willing to give up having stability, having a shower, having whatever, in order to climb the way that I want. I have made clear choices about what I find value in, what risks I am willing to take. I am doing exactly what I love to do. It's very easy for someone sitting on the couch at home to condemn it as crazy and stupid. But I can justify all my choices. Can you say the same about your life? You have to choose your crazy folks. And following Jesus will make you seem crazy to people. So if you don't think he's king, if you don't think that he's conquered the grave, if you don't think that he's coming again, well, you're crazy for listening to me today. But if you do think he is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and that he conquered the grave and he's coming again, and that all people will be gathered before him to give an account, if you believe that, and you're not making every single choice consistent with that, well, then you're crazy. You got to choose you're crazy. I'm going with the one who predicted his own death and resurrection and pulled it off. His name is Jesus, and he is the king. He is king whether you acknowledge it or not, and he died and rose again to give all of us something worth living for, something greater than our minuscule selves. We can have a purpose and meaning that will make an impact for all eternity, And if you want to know more about this Jesus and what it means to make him not just your Savior, but your Sovereign, your King, please text us at 260-215-4334. That's 260-215-4334. And someone from our ministry will respond quickly. Now, would you please bow and join me in prayer? Father, thank you that your word makes it very clear who is king, and it makes it very clear, Lord, that we are not. And I pray that in the coming weeks, Lord, that as we see what Jesus means, when he talks about the kingdom of God living in us, what it means to be kingdom members, that we will make ourselves fully available to our king to accomplish his will and his mission on this earth. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus loved us so much that he came and walked with us and talked with us and taught us about the truths of the kingdom, knowing that the fullness of our joy depended on whether or not we accepted this invitation. So, Lord, we come to you asking you for the grace each week to allow us to say no to our own kingdom and yes to the kingdom of Jesus. May every decision... May everything that we do come out of that conviction that there is only one king in this world, and it's not me. We thank you, Lord, for the truth that you've given to us through your word. Help us to trust and obey and live a kingdom life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.